0: In today's episode, we're going to talk about the five mistakes that most homebuyers make. Did you make one of these when you bought your last home? Let's see. With over 50 years of real estate experience, the team at Powell find homes have dedicated our careers to taking care of our clients, ensuring that they get the best possible results and service when they engage us to represent them. From first-time home buyers to multi-million dollar home sellers, from regular sales to short sales and foreclosures, we've seen it all and educated our clients along the way. As broker owners, we have serious visibility into the Los Angeles and Ventura County real estate markets and are about to share some of what we're seeing with you right now. Get ready for the Powell Fine Homes Real Estate Show. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Powell Fine Homes Real Estate Show. My name is Richard Powell. I am your host and a licensed California real estate broker, as well as being part of the team at the Powell Fine Homes Group with Keller Williams Realty World Class in Westlake Village, California. Today, we're going to talk about the five mistakes that most buyers make. Now, there's a lot of mistakes you can make. And it doesn't mean just first-time home buyers. This could be anybody in the process. Because quite honestly, a lot of people have bought a home and they've been living in it for 15, 20 years. And the real estate experience has changed quite a bit in that time. And what it took to buy a home even 10 years ago, much less 20, and what it takes today are night and day. 20 years ago, I'm sorry, 10 years ago, if you had a pulse, you could get a million-dollar loan. It was not a problem. Yeah, well, 2019 to 2009. I would say 11 years. Sorry, we're getting old. So 11 years ago, didn't matter. From 2003 to 2007, 2008, if you had a pulse, you could get a million-dollar loan. Nobody cared. It was amazing. It's kind of what why we got into the Great Recession in the first place. But now it's changed quite a bit. So I read a statistic from the National Association of Realtors the other day that said 96% of all buyers actually search online before they even speak to their agent, which is fine. And that's, it's normal. One of the beautiful things about the internet is that it has brought so much information across the board to everybody. But if you don't get pre-approved before you start your search, you run the risk of searching in a price point that you either may not be able to afford, or you could possibly afford a lot more. And either way, you wind up with regret after you've pulled the trigger on the home you're looking at. So first and foremost, point number one, you got to get pre-approved by a lender first. You really need to know what price range to stay in because credit and underwriting has changed quite a bit. It's not just about how much money you make. They're looking at your debt-to-income ratio. They're looking at your credit score. They're looking at, uh, you know, have you had a foreclosure or a loan mod or, I mean, just all kinds of things they're looking at that could affect how much you're be able to be approved for, or if you're able to be approved at all. So once you have that pre-approval in your hand, you have a couple of benefits. Number one, we know what price range we're going to be looking at. And number two, when you do find that house, you can move immediately on it. Because if you don't get pre-approved before you start looking, you run the risk of finding that house that you really, really want, and then realizing, A, Somebody else got the house because they were already pre-approved, wrote the offer, and got in before you could even get through the pre-approval process, or B, you may not be able to afford it anyway. And I can tell you from personal experience, when Kirsten and I are the listing agents on a property and an offer comes in, the first thing we do is to call the lender on the pre-approval letter and say, okay, we'd like to talk about your client's so-and-so. They just made an offer on one of our listings, so talk to us. Do you have a desktop underwriting approval in hand that you can send to us? And that's a a software program put out by Housing and Urban Development. They call them HUD. And HUD has this desktop underwriter where basically the lender is supposed to put in your income, all your known debts, run your credit report, put your credit scores in there. And once the computer crunches all those numbers, they come back and say either approve or decline. So they should be able to provide us with that. We talk about your debt-to-income ratios. We'll talk about their middle FICO credit score and a couple other things and make sure the reserves have been checked out and they're all there. And once all that's fine, we're good to go. But if you write an offer on a listing and you don't have a pre-approval letter, the listing agent's going to do exactly what we described. And if you if they call the lender or you know if you don't have a lender, number one, they're not going to take you seriously. But even if you do say, oh, well, here, I'm going to do it through Bank of America, call Bank of America, or I know this mortgage originator, talk to them and we'll see where they go from there. And they can't articulate how they approved you and that you're ready to buy, you're not going to get accepted. So... Definitely get pre approved. That way, you know what price range you're looking for, and you also know exactly uh, that you're able to move on the house as soon as you see it. Okay, let's move on to point number two falling in love with the home too soon. Now, that seems kind of illogical, but there's a lot of times people see something online and it looks so good. You know, it could be perfectly staged, have the right color schemes you know, great master bedroom, great kitchen, perfect backyard, sparkling pool, all those things, you're like, oh my gosh, this is the perfect house, I love it. You really can't fall in love with the home until A, you've been accepted on it, B, you've done your home inspections, and C, the appraisal has been conducted and it's come back at purchase price or better. Because we see most deals fall apart at two places. Either something comes up during the home inspection. That scares the buyer to the point where they just don't want to go forward, or there's something wrong with the house. The buyer wants a credit, or they want the seller to fix it. The seller's not willing to do either, and the deal falls apart there. That's point number one. The second place we see deals fall apart is on the appraisal. If the appraisal comes in low, then you have one of four options. You know, Number one is that the seller comes all the way down to whatever the appraisal price is. Option two is that the buyer comes up with extra money to cover the difference between the appraisal and the contract price, because the bank's only going to lend their loan against the appraisal price. Doesn't matter what the contract says. It's all about the appraisal with them. The third option is that the buyer and seller split the difference, meet in the middle, and the fourth option is that everybody walks away from the deal. Say, you know what? We can't put it together. We're done. So, again, until you've gone through the appraisals, until you've gone through the inspections, you've negotiated whatever repairs need to be done. Don't fall in love with the house. However. Once that you've gone through inspections and you got the appraisal back and you know the loan's going fine, then you can fall in love and it's great. Just don't, break your, don't be the one that breaks your own heart by falling in love with the house too soon. Okay, on to point number three, ignoring issues that cannot be corrected with the home. Now this is a subset basically of falling in love with the home, but sometimes there are things you cannot fix with the house. And if you can't fix it, You really need to think long and hard about whether or not you want to buy it, because when there's something that is, uh, we call it functional obsolescence, but when there's something that negatively impacts the home, and it could be traffic, it could be noise, it could be the actual location for any number of reasons, you're going to feel like you're getting the house below market value, you're getting a discount, so it seems like a great deal. But when there's things like this that you cannot change, you're going to have to give that same deal to the next buyer when they purchase your home because you can't fix traffic issues. You can't fix noise issues. You can't fix being across from a school, particularly an elementary school, where you know for the first hour of the day, you know all the people dropping off their kids, park their cars and hang out and talk, and then they move, and then at 3 o'clock when school lets out, they all come back in because the kids aren't driving themselves. All the parents are, and they're waiting for them to get out, and it just really causes true congestion if you're living right across the street or right next to the parking lot for the school. So that's a problem. For example, we went and saw a home with some first-time buyers two weeks ago, and it was over in Westlake Village, and really beautiful home. It's it's uh, it's well done. They had done not only had they remodeled the house and done perfect flooring and you know great paint. Kitchen was redone very very well. Yard was done very very well. You know all the things. All the heavy lifting is done in that house. So you basically walk in. You could move in tomorrow. It'd be fine. However. It's right next to Westlake Boulevard, which is very, very loud. It, it also, on the weekends, Westlake Boulevard feeds into Decker Canyon, and motorcycles and sports cars go running up and down through there. And uh, not only did they live next to Westlake Boulevard, they also had a couple of other main arteries from the particular neighborhood they were in drive right by the house. All of that creates noise issues, and they can't change that no matter what they do. They could put triple-pane windows in there. They could put soundproofing in there as soon as they walk into the backyard there's going to be noise so that in that particular one it was a noise issue and traffic issue you could be next to a school you could be next to a church you know some people don't like hearing you know if it's a church it does the bells or the speakers, or just high traffic, whatever. It could be, I know there's some homes over by California Lutheran University that back up next to the stadium. And when there are football games going on or any other uh, events going on, it's very, very loud there. They don't like that. On the opposite side of the campus, there's a couple of huge dirt fields where the marching band practices, and some people don't like listening to marching bands. So you really have to look it out, but if there's something... That is creating some kind of functional obsolescence that you, as the homeowner, can't change, location being the number one of those. Don't ignore it because the deal you think you're getting today is the same deal that you're going to be giving when you sell it, and you're really limiting the upside potential of your investment in that home. Okay, next point point number four buying too little house. Now, you really won't hear a realtor talk about that too much, but it's something you really have to look at, and that is. It depends on the stage of life you're in. If you've already, your kids are already grown up there through college and, and you just want to downsize and get a smaller unit, great. It's hard to buy a too little house, but you really need to think if you're coming out of 4,000 square feet, can you live in 900 square feet? You know, even even if you don't need four or five bedrooms anymore, you still probably need a guest room for when the kids come over. You probably still need an office just because, uh, you know, and, and if you're on the other side of life, if you're just getting married or you're just getting together, or, or how you know you you don't have kids yet but you want them down the road, you need to say, okay. We want to have you know we want to grow our family, however you define it, in the next four to seven years. If we buy this house today, will it fit if if we add additional family members or? or if our parent has to come one of our parents has to come live with us or both of our parents have to come live with us you know however you want to slice it are you buying enough home to cover the anticipated period you think you're going to be living in it and quite honestly i believe the average now is 13 years that people are in homes you know back before the recession it was four to five years sometimes six years but it's more than doubled at this point and it's going even further past that especially here in california where the cost of living is so high so many people have such a low tax base when they've been in their house 10 15 20 years that they really can't find a lower cost of living and also with interest rates coming up that's affecting it too so try to buy as much house as you can comfortably buy the first time because when you go to sell a house on average I believe it costs right around seven seven and a quarter to seven and a half percent to sell your house total. And we're talking commissions. We're talking, you know, prepping the house. We're talking transfer taxes, uh, you know, just all the things that go into it. It's not an insignificant amount of money. So you really want to make sure, are you buying enough home? Uh, you know, some people will say, well, I don't want to spend more than X. And I understand that. And it is important I'm not trying to, uh, you know, mitigate that at all. But X is X the monthly payment? Is X the acquisition price all that we're saying here is that you actually look at the total quality of life you're going to have in that property too because even the smallest house you can buy in southern california is an incredible amount of money here so make sure that you are definitely going ahead and taking the long view when you're buying this house the other you know the other thing that most people don't think about is how much it costs to sell the house if you don't buy the right house the first time one of the things we talk about with our buyers is making sure they take the long view on every property we look at, whether it be for size, location, is there an empty field next to it that's going to wind up with condos on it at some point? Is it next to a hillside that could be a possible flood issue or a fire issue if it's open space? All kinds of things. So, you know, but on point four, we're talking about buying too little house being too conservative when you buy it. Now, Point number five: We're going to talk out of the other side of our mouth. We're going to say, "Don't buy too much house either, because you don't want to be house poor." You, you know, there's some people, especially before the recession, because loans were so easy to get. We'd see people buy these huge houses. I mean, just it would be a, just two people. They'd buy a, a you know thirty-five hundred, four thousand, five thousand square foot house. And you'd go, they'd invite you over and you'd go see them. and you'd walk in the house and, you know, of course it looked immaculate up front. You get inside and the living room would typically be done, the dining room would be done, kitchen would look nice. And then the only other house in the whole, the other room in in the house that was furnished would be the bedroom, the master bedroom. You know, they just bought so much house they couldn't afford to furnish it. You'd say, you know, she talked to them. They weren't going on vacations. They weren't buying third car. They weren't buying a boat. They weren't, you know, literally. They were just married to the house. They had bought so much house. They were now house bored. It was cool. They could, you know, they could entertain. They could have their friends come over and all that, but they couldn't do anything else. So, the things you need to think about when you're buying a bigger house than normal, and and I can't shouldn't even say that normal is a relative thing. But when you're buying a large property and we're talking both yard size and the size of the house, you need to talk about or think about at least not only the carrying costs with principal and interest taxes and all those things, you need to think about the operating costs as well. If you've got a half-acre yard here, is, you know, we keep saying Westlake, but it could be in Woodland Hills. It's actually going to be more expensive in San Fernando Valley than it, than it will be in uh Conejo Valley or in Simi Valley simply because LADWP is so much more expensive than the power companies and water companies over on the other side of the hill. But in, for example, we had a house listed a couple years ago over in North Ranch. They had just over a half acre of land and they had a big pool and spa and they had a single air conditioning unit for the property. It was about a 3,500 square foot house. The house wasn't actually that big. However, on an annual basis, you were looking at almost $40,000 a year to maintain it between the lawn care, between the water, between the power for the house, for the air conditioner, for the pumps, for the pools, for uh, you know all the other things that people are using at the house. The insurance was very expensive. So you not, it's not just buying the house and what your monthly payment is. You also have the ancillary costs you have to roll into it as well. You know, and, and make sure that whatever you're buying, you still have that money to where you can go on vacations, you can put money aside for retirement and all the other things. So even though we said don't buy too little house on point four, on point five, we're on the other side of the fence saying don't buy too much house either. There's always that sweet spot in between where it might be a little bit of a stretch, but you're not overcommitting yourself. And, and quite honestly, trophy homes are not as much in demand as they were 10 years ago, 11 years ago. You know, Back then, like I said, we'd have people buying these giant houses and they were, I say giant, larger houses than they needed with much bigger yards and big entertaining areas and all that. And it was a very hot price point. It was a very hot demographic, if you will, for that style home. But however, now you're not seeing anywhere near as much as that is, especially with this. We see the millennials coming into the homeowners group. They're much more content to have a smaller home that has enough room to grow into. But they're not worried about having the trophy houses with entertaining all their friends over and things like that. They want to be able to go out every weekend and go do something. They want to go on vacations if they want to go to Europe or Japan. I've got some friends that are over in Japan right now on a big ski trip that they they could not have done had they overcommitted on a house and not had any money left over. So, uh, you know, as we're talking through these things, you know, buying too little a house is a mistake, buying too big a house is a mistake. But the trophy home and the trophy home, you know, price point wise, you're looking one point two to one point seven, somewhere in there, on the lower end. And then, it, you know, once you get past there, it's a whole different conversation. But out here in the Conejo Valley and Woodland Hills, West Hills, Chatsworth, you know, Simi Valley, one two to one seven is is the typical uh, entry level trophy home price point range, and uh, it's it's right for some people. It honestly is for for executives in the C suite or you know people who have just They sold a house, they came away with a lot of equity, they can afford it, and the payment's very small. Makes sense, not a problem. However, don't fall in love just with the size of the house. Make sure it fits your overall lifestyle and uh, helps you maintain the quality of life you're looking for. So that's our five mistakes most buyers make. Hopefully you didn't make any of them. If you're working with us, we'll try to keep you from making any of them. Any questions you have, please send us an email or let us, uh, you can send us a text. The phone number that you'll be at the outro of this podcast will is a cell phone, so you can text it. You can email us. We always want to know what you would like to hear us talk about. Please engage with us like that. We appreciate you subscribing. We appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard or you want more info, please give us a call at 805 805- Again, that's 805-404-1167 or send an email to sold at com. If you're ready to move on with your life in Los Angeles or Ventura counties, call us even quicker. The team at Powell Homes are your real estate experts and who you hire matters. You can find us on the web, on Facebook, and on Instagram every day. And you'll love the results that our proven systems and model deliver for you. Call, email, or DM us today and we'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening.